back to another episode of the Panhandle Portland Podcast. My name is Chase Mendoza. I'm Stetson Mendoza. I'm Aurelio Serta. And I'm Alan Jones. Yeah, for this episode and the next episode, we're going to have Alan, a little featured guest. This is Brandon's little brother. Yep. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, you're hearing this after we got back from our scouting trip over in New Mexico. Um, didn't really, we saw some stuff as we were coming into the gate off to the right side on the main road. We saw that, the crippled pronghorn, the sacred one. That was the one we saw. And, um, that's what kind of got us started on, uh, what we were wanting to scout for was basically look for anything that was mature. And we saw that mature one. And previously, we, we've been watching that heart, crippled heart-shaped one, is what we call it. And that's the one that Abigail's been after. And um, we saw that one at, we went, me and Abigail went prior, the week prior. And we saw that pronghorn there. And what else did we, I guess it, basically we were just checking everything. Basically looking for deer. We haven't seen any yeah, deer really, over there. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, that, was, that was mine and Chase's first time out there, too. Yeah, and we got a kind of a layout of, you know, kind of what Chase was going to be hunting and stuff like that, um, and then we saw a creepy ass house. <laughs> yeah, it kind of creeped me out. But, uh, <laughs> it's headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> it's headquarters. <laughs> um, Chase found out that it's a cozy, cozy so, house. So we kind of got the layout of the land, and uh, yeah, you guys are just getting ready for getting ready for 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 your, I guess, antelope hunt. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then we got to see the, uh, what is it, the Mahindra? Mahindra. Mahindra. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't call it a G. It's not a G. <laughs> it's not a G. It's, not a G. <laughs> it's a Mahindra. But we got to go out on that, that little, little beast. And, yeah, uh, which is really awesome. Yeah, yeah, Chase, yeah, Chase was really talking awesome. about wanting to invest. <laughs> we need to calm down a little bit. We wants to, he wants to invest in getting one. Oh, dang. Panhandle Portland buying one. With? The elevated seats in the back. Oh, yes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, yes. Yeah. But now we... So we got over there. We saw those as we were coming in. And then, uh, I mean, other than that, it was more or less trying to... Like how Aurelia was saying, trying to get a feel for the area. Which Stetson took us throughout most of the ranch. And we saw a lot of the dirt tanks. Saw a couple spots that we may end up doing some duck hunting on, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially north. Um, it, it keeps raining. It keeps raining over there, at least anyways. It calmed down a little bit here in the Panhandle, Texas. But as far as over there in New Mexico, it's still it's consistent. Boring. And I'm hoping that it stays that way, especially in the fall and in mm-hmm. the winter. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Then, I mean... Which I was kind of curious about that too, about the duck hunting part. Like, I know Chase is probably more experienced in this, but like, how does it work? Like, like, is there like a special like license you need for, for duck hunting? Or? Duck, it's a duck stamp. It's a duck federal stamp. stamp. Okay. Which is in most states. Yeah. If all, it all most? states is, so duck is one of those, duck and geese are those two. That's why they're kind of separated from every, you know, from everything else. Um, is because they migrate, and so it's hard to keep track of it as just a state. Yeah. So it's a federal regulated animal. They're both federal regulated animals. So that's why you have your flyways, mm-hmm. which we're in the central flyway, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. it you know whenever you want to get into duck hunting, it's you have to know what flyway you're at, and then that'll tell you what your season is, and then. Kind of like, shoot. yeah, what animals most likely fly in that flyaway, that type of stuff. Like, with the yeah. central, we're actually pretty lucky because we get most of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's, I don't even know the name of it, but I but think there's like all, maybe one or two. That's where we, on your, your podcast, or your episode, a radio, we were talking about the black duck. But there's a bunch of different, there's yeah. a bunch of different um, bag limits as well as yes. with each duck, correct? Yes, there's a bag limit per person, and then there's a bag limit per crew. Okay. So you kind of, and then there's also a bag limit for how many males you have per female, and then how many males per female you have in your crew as well. So like, 
with mallards in, I believe it was, I could have six dead, I could have six dead mallards, two of those were allowed to be females, but if I was with a group, I could only have like five dead females within the group. Okay. So it's kind of one of those things. So is it is it more difficult in New Mexico or in Texas? No. So that's state doesn't matter. State. So yeah. It's a federal. It, it's, it's a it's a federally. Okay. They tell the state what the regulations are. Okay. So that one, the, those and goose are the ones that are kind of they're different. They're in their own little thing because they migrate. So so no matter where you get these, uh, what are they? What are they? Stamps or? Yeah. And you can get them in Texas or New Mexico, just wherever you're hunting. Well. Okay, so you have to get, if you're going to hunt, you have to get it in Texas if you're going to hunt in Texas. Okay. If you're going to hunt in New Mexico, then you have to get it in New Mexico. I think it's $25. Yeah. $25? That's not bad. I actually, I think it's that in New Mexico, too. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah, you just go to a cabin, and it's, it's like a legit yeah, they'll, stamp. Yeah, you'll get it in like the mail. It's, it's, it's a like legit a sticker stamp. stamp. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 It's they'll pretty, give you your... It's pretty cool. I may, actually... I just threw mine away, so I don't have mine. I was going to say... I, I think I have mine from Colorado. Where did I leave my keys? I think I left them outside. Either way, I'll show it to you afterwards. Okay. But yeah, it you'll get like kind of a separate license, and then it'll say for duck and goose migratory birds, yeah. basically, and then you get the stamp that gets mailed to you. And and I we didn't see any ducks or anything flying out there when we were out there. Well, no, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be bad because they migrate. Mm-hmm. So yeah. once it gets colder up north, they're going to start coming down south for the winter. Yeah, yeah. We went. We didn't get to, a chance to go north because it got dark on the north section of where we'll be hunting. But there's a a dirt tank that was dug out, and then it has like a lot of marsh, mm-hmm. a little bit of marsh area that it, it expanded pretty big. Which Chase finally mm-hmm. got to see that and. When me and Abigail went scouting, we saw some duck out there. So, or is it ducks? Ducks. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it's thinking like deer. It's deeks. <laughs> 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 as long as it's not something else. Right. <laughs> but Easy. yeah, so we actually saw some. So they're out there. It's just a matter of. I mean, it's good to ha- it's good to have a place where there already are ducks, but. At the same time, you don't have to have that as long as whatever water source you're hunting has the proper vegetation around it. Mm-hmm. So birds, I mean, yeah, birds in general, they have great eyesight. Ducks have amazing eyesight. So you see a lot of people where they hunt them where they're all decked out in camo yeah, yeah, yeah. all day, every day. That's the reason. Like, um, if you read on certain deals, they'll even tell you, "Hey, wear camouflage gloves," because they can literally see your skin. But, uh, you, basically, it all depends on the north side of what you're hunting, uh-huh. because they all fly from north to south. So, if you have a lot of great vegetation, think of just a circle pond, and then at the top of that circle, you have a lot of vegetation growing right there. What you could do is set up to the sides of them, so the right and the left, right underneath where the trees are, kind of at a little bit of an angle so you're not shooting directly at each other, but you want to make sure that you have covers. That's why I have like four different blinds that we're going to use, and then I have like 20-something decoys. So if you have ducks already in there, you know that they're going to, that it has the proper vegetation, it has everything that you need, so that's going to be a good pond for whenever it's time for duck hunting. Mm-hmm. If you don't, just throw some decoys in there. And then just get everybody to start, you know, going on the calls, quacking, doing some feeder quacks and all that stuff. And then essentially they'll be flying over, they'll see the ducks there, they'll hear all the feeding and all the activity, and that'll cause them to land. And then right as they're coming in, everybody just unloads. Cool. So it's, and then of course your wind, there are a lot more factors pay into the whole duck thing, but... Mm -hmm. There's also another way that you could do it, or is if you have a friend that, if you know somebody that has a field of corn and they just got done, you know, harvesting some of it and there's a lot that like dropped or that's left on the ground, flood a little bit of it. Ducks and geese love that. So then that's a great way to get a combo. You can get duck and geese real good with that. And duck is, and geese is uh, different than duck. 
they're kind of regulated in the same thing. They okay. go by their flyways. There's a certain amount of bag limit yeah. all that jazz. It's basically the same thing. But once you get, a lot of people put them together. So you have your migratory animals, which are your duck and your geese. Mm -hmm. So if you get your migratory stamp, or like in Colorado, it was a migratory license, which got you your duck stamp and also your geese, because you don't get a, you don't get a license, I mean a stamp for geese. Mm -hmm. Does that count dove or is dove? No, those are, those are on upland. upland. Yeah, okay. non-migratory. Pheasant quail they all fall under the non-migratory because they stay in one area well dove they migrate well yeah but the not migrants. not from canada all the way down yeah. to mexico yeah true true so but you hunted geese right Dude, we, last year. we annihilated a geese one time a goose, a goose. what goose mises mises <laughs> yeah that was pretty fun yeah it kind of got our feet wet into goose hunting. oh my gosh we destroyed him <laughs> <laughs> it was one but we were I was so gonna excited. say well you gotta tell this story now you're all talking about destroying them i don't even know what we were doing well were we scouting we were coming back from scouting or doing something and then we pulled up we're i think we're just getting i think we're getting either I was practicing my bow, and I think you were out there practicing, or we were, or we were shooting guns. We were doing something. We had our shotguns. That's all I know. Yeah, we had our shotguns with us. And maybe, maybe we were dove hunting. We were dove hunting because we it was the late season, at, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so we were dove hunting over by the dog barn. I think behind the dog barn, where you had that feeder set up. And we were back there. We were dove hunting, and then we had come back, and we pulled in. And I remember you, even earlier in the day, you were, we saw geese and you were like, if only they'd just, come over here. I was like, I was, I was like sometimes they do, sometimes we catch them, sometimes we won't. Because I think I had just shot or something and you were like, you're like, well, there goes our chance. All the geese are flying away. <laughs> and then we had pulled up at the house and then we could hear them. And then like we ran out and then, dude, freaking. I think we may have been hunting geese at the dog barn. Maybe. Yeah. I think like in that back corner, cause they've been coming up over there. And so we had no luck at all, and then we ended up going to the house, and we're just hanging out there, and then here comes one lone goose. <laughs> yeah, because I had steel shots with me. And that was shotgun. far. That was a far yeah. shot, too. And he actually started making his way over towards us, yeah. and that's when you're like, there it is. I was like, well, grab your shotgun. He shot, he shot. We both shot. Well, he shot first, and it stunned what is it? The goose. goose. <laughs> he stunned the goose and it kind of like fluttered and then I shot it it started coming down a little bit and then he shot it again and then like but it was like maybe like four feet off the ground this goose is just getting shot up <laughs> by both of us and th this is still shot so I mean it's tearing this this goose up and so it, it's still fluttering on the ground it's still alive it's still like moving and we finally woke up and I was like loaded. I was about to shoot. And I was like, wait. He's like, wait. I think it's I think it's going to die. And then it died. So. And we actually have pictures of that. I don't think we posted it on Panhandle Portland, but we need to. Because <laughs> that, <laughs> that thing was. It, it was not an island. It was not a island. It still island. had a good I mean, breast, but yeah. still. And I think I actually saw that when we were moving you. Um. I think we we saw it in the freezer. You had it in the freezer yeah, still. still in there. And you're like, here's that goose that we shot. <laughs> oh, yeah. we're going to do something with it. For, yeah. It might already be bad. Or what? No. You're the meat guy. It's frostbite. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> Maybe we can cut around it and get a breast. <laughs> but One single tender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that we can all enjoy. We just all just divvy it out. Here's your slice. <laughs> I really do want to try. I mean, I have not tried. Duck uh, or goose? I've tried duck. Oh. I've tried. I think I've tried geese before, but what am I trying to say? I haven't tried. What are they called? Canadian sand, sand hill geese. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, I was gonna say sand hill crane. Sand hill crane, because he keeps bringing it up to me. <laughs> I Which, still haven't tried sand hill crane. We're kind of thinking about possibly doing that because we saw one out there. Yeah, and actually, when you buy just your regular game hunting license, yeah, you get it anyway. You get sand hill crane. That's another deal with New Mexico too. 
with all their rules and regulations and their state statutes. But even hunting rabbits and coyotes, you have to have a separate, it's a varmint hunting license. So there's your hunting license and there's your varmint hunting license, which is um, rabbits, prairie dogs, coyotes. The only reason why I point at Alan is because he's always talking about whenever he goes over there, he forgets to bring, he doesn't see any coyotes to shoot. Yeah. Maybe you guys go over there. I mean, we go over there pretty often for work, and I always bring all my guns. I have my AR loaded up, my twenty two loaded up, both my pistols loaded up. I don't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking. Me and Stetson are, I mean, we're always looking. We're both hunters, so we're always looking for everything. I don't see coyotes. We see, like, two or three jackrabbits. There's no prairie dogs. It's just, it, it's. I don't know what it is. I just don't see much wildlife out there. It's just New Mexico. That's it's a it good is. thing we don't see a game warden, though, because Alan brings the whole entire war. <laughs> True. <laughs> the whole cavalry. The whole arsenal. Yeah. The game warden's not even... Well, I'm not going to shoot a game, game animal. I'm looking to shoot varmints. Varmints and predators. What's going to suck, though, is that the game warden's not even going to say nothing to you. He's going to look at me and be like, why well, do you have all this shit? And I'm going to be like, why me? Like, why? So real quick, is every episode going to have a race talk by Aurelio? Okay, I'm not, this, it, it has no, okay. Where every game warden gets to no, we'll, you. We'll, we'll give you, we'll give you your own segment. And welcome Listen. to Racism Corner with Aurelio. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Game wardens. We understand. They got it out for me, okay? But hey, you still like I'm hunting. The dark, I'm the darkest one in the group. Hey, okay? yeah, but you still <laughs> like hunting and you still do it right. Exactly, exactly. That's why I said, you know, like I was going to bring it up whenever you were saying that, of course, Mexico with all their regulations and all this stuff, you know. Either way, I'm going to have every single type of license and tax stamp or whatever I need whenever I go over there. So, I mean. There you go. Yeah. So, it's safe. Yep. Yeah. Just because so. you're Mexican. <laughs> but we're all Mexican. I was going to say we're all you Mexican. Got, you got your hapsies, you got your fools. <laughs> you got your quarters, you got your You got your Spaniards. You got your three quarters. You got your fools. So, let's talk guns. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna ask uh, Alan a little bit about what are some of the... Since you say you bring your whole arsenal, what's some of the guns that you have in your arsenal? Well, uh, my personal favorite is I have my AR. It's an aero precision build. It's a 16-inch aero precision. Okay, real quick. He's super into guns, everybody. So yeah, <laughs> he may use some let's, vernacular. Let's, let's back up and see. Yeah. Because if y'all know Brandon Jones, he's the... What we call the optimal sniper. Yeah, he's a, the long range <laughs> guy. <laughs> and um, we call him the president killer. Yeah, yep. and his little brother's Alan, and he's done quite a bit of hunting over there in Optimal, but um, they're similar to an aspect. Yeah. As far, but Brandon, I think I think these are the words of Alan. Maybe they could hash it out, but Brandon thinks he knows. Alan knows. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> <What> a, <laughs> Throw down. Anyways, tell your backstory. Brandon's not here to defend himself. (laughs) Brandon knows a lot more about like shooting guns and the ballistics and just how to kind of get the job done. I know more about like the technical specifications of guns because I just I'm kind of a nerd. I watch. He's more of ammo. You're more of the gun. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but like I was saying, my AR it's an arrow precision build. Aero Precision is an AR building company out of Tacoma, Washington. They build really nice parts. And uh, it's got some other stuff in it. It has a Brownells bolt carrier, uh, Raiden Radian charging handle. And it's got a Geisley trigger in it. It's just it's a really nice shooting rifle. It does have a gnarly muzzle brake on it, so a lot of people don't like shooting it because it's extremely loud. But... That one's my personal favorite, and then I have my 22, which is a Ruger SR-22 rifle, not the handgun. A lot of people know the handgun more than the rifle, but basically the rifle is a 1022 with an aluminum chassis kind of bolted onto the whole outside, and I have some parts on it and stuff, and I've done a little bit of trigger work on it, so it's a little bit tuned. And then I have my two handguns. It's a Smith & Wesson SD9 VE the stainless version, 
a nine millimeter and then my FNX 45 tactical. It's an FN made. It's FN is a Belgian company, but the pistol's actually made in America. And it's a really nice pistol, but nah, I don't like it that much. I wouldn't really recommend buying one, but they're decent. But those are the guns I usually take to New Mexico. And I've shot quite a few Prairie Dogs with my 22. I've shot a few, just one Jackrabbit with my nine millimeter. And I haven't got to shoot anything with my AR yet. I've been dying to, but I don't ever come across anything like a coyote. I've been wanting to drop the coyote, but haven't came across it yet. But yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to go to New Mexico. It's a really beautiful country. There's a decent amount of wildlife, but for some reason, I just don't see much of it when I go over there. And there's the opportunity. Every time we go, <laughs> yeah, we're always like, man, we saw this, we saw that, and Alan's like, what? Where? I have not seen anything over there. I've seen a rabbit. <laughs> but so, but you've heard uh, you've hunted deer before. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about that. You over in Optimo. Yeah, right. I've shot two deer in Optima. I shot my first one in 2016, and I was using Brandon's rifle. It's I don't know if he's talked about it, but it's his AR-10. It's a custom-built precision AR by GA Precision out of Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, it's in 260 Remington. It has a 20-inch bull barrel, and he had a Bushnell HDMI uh, scope on it with the H59 reticle. Avocado toast, man. Yeah. It's a very nice rifle. I mean, it, it weighs anywhere from 10 to 12 pounds. It's a really heavy rifle. And when I shot my first deer, we were sitting up on a plateau. We were looking down at deer. It was about 500 yards to the tree line. We saw a few does, maybe a buck or two, but they were all at like seven, 800 yards. And then we saw this one buck come out of the tree line. And I jumped down on the rifle and looked through my scope and I asked Brandon, range it. He ranged it and it was like 483 meters, I believe. And then he, uh, my buddy Austin was with me as well. He had his Kestrel, which is just a wind meter. He checked the wind. Brandon had the range already. We checked the barometric pressure. We dialed everything on in on the scope. They both had apps on their phones, so it's it really just plugs it in. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, just put in all yeah. the data. It's Straylock. You can find it on... <laughs> All of your app devices, all of your app needs. Well, they were both using Straylock Pro, which I think it's $12 to buy. Straylock yeah. Free is decent, but it's not as good as Pro, obviously. Yeah, but I like that you could save your rifle on there because it's got my 243. Exactly. Yeah. You can save your scope, your reticle, your barrel length, the height above See, the I know, I know a little bit about all what he's putting down. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but we ranged it and everything. I didn't even dial the scope. I remember Brandon reached down. He he dialed the turret for me. And I was looking at the deer. And I remember that was the first time I actually was sitting behind a rifle. And I could see my heartbeat in the reticle. Every time my heart would beat, I could see the reticle jump. Just barely. And from what I thought, the deer looked like a decent six-point buck. And... Uh, I, you know, took a couple breaths. I was kind of nervous. It was my first deer. I squeezed off the round, and I was aiming right for its heart. I remember the crosshairs were right on its heart, but I hit him in the ass. <laughs> it went through one of his legs and hit him right in the ball sack, and then went through the other leg. Jeez. I didn't find that out till we went down Terrible. to the deer. Poor guy. But I shot the deer, and it kind of his ass end dropped, and then he tried to run, but he was only running with his front legs. His back legs were completely toast. And then my buddy Austin was right next to me with his 223 bolt rifle. It was just a stock Remington 700 5R rifle. I believe it had a 26-inch barrel, and he was shooting his own hand loads out of it. I was shooting hand loads as well, ones that I had actually loaded. Brandon didn't even load them. But it was my my round was a 260 Remington with a 123 grain uh, Hornady Amax, and then Austin had his is 223. I think he was shooting a 75 grain Amax out of it. But after I shot my my deer, he moved like I don't know maybe five feet, and then Austin shot him again, loaded another one, shot him again. So did Austin? Did he? What are you laughing at? I'm laughing because You're getting lost in the numbers. Chase looked at me and I'm like, I'm lost with all with all this. All I can say right now so is much like, knowledge. All I can say right now is you're like this generation's Burt Gummer. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. 
<laughs> okay, that's that's why I'm saying you're this generation's. Okay, and for for those of you who don't know who that is, he's the gun guy that's off of the movie Tremors with Kevin Bacon. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, that's funny. Um, so did Austin? Did he when you dialed your scope? Did he dial his scope? Oh yeah, Austin's been doing this stuff for years. Okay, so he did it because. Just in case, like just in case, yeah, okay. because that was also going to be Austin's first deer as well, and we we kind of had an argument, not really an argument, we had a discussion, and he was like, "Do you want to shoot it? Do I want to shoot it? Do you want to shoot it?" And I was like, "I'll shoot it. I'm I'm down. I'll shoot it." You know, and Austin was like, "Okay, well, you know, he dialed the scope, he did everything. We all had the same data, the same wind speed, the same uh, distance." That was everything. his first deer ever. First deer at Optima. I think that was his first deer ever. Huh. I think. But it may have been his first at Optima. It may have been just his first in a few years. I mean, he was all about shooting guns. He well, was too big into... Yeah, he, he has a giant ranch. His whole family's had this ranch for years. But he always told me he didn't like hunting on that ranch because all of his brothers and his uncles and everything, they all wanted to shoot there first. They wanted to take deer first. And he was like, I just don't want to fight. He's like, I don't want to get into all that. There's so many other people that want to hunt there. I don't care. But... It's understandable. After I shot mine, he shot it twice, and both of his they landed right in the heart. So I don't know if it was <laughs> if it was me or if it was a gust of wind because it was almost a 500 yard shot, and we were shooting from a plateau down to toward this deer. So there could have been a gust of wind that was kind of in there somewhere. It's a long distance. Could it be bug fever? But it may have been. But like I said, I remember my crosshairs were right on the heart. And that rifle of Brandon's is super nice. It's heavy. It's got a really nice trigger. Like, it, I didn't feel anything go wrong. Yeah. Because when you shoot a lot, you can kind of tell when you shoot and you, you feel it go wrong. You know you're going to mess up even mm -hmm. before you see where it hit. I didn't feel anything go wrong, but... It also could have been that Brandon, I mean, Brandon was still kind of new to it, so he wasn't really super dialed in with his rifle, and maybe we did the wrong calculations. That could be the, the other thing, too. But after I hit it, I'm pretty sure that deer would have died, but I'm kind of glad Austin shot it again because we didn't have to hunt for it. We knew yeah. exactly where it dropped. And I was all excited. We ran all the way down there that was probably the worst decision i mean we literally like sprinted 500 yards to get this deer we got there completely out of breath that's excitement <laughs> and then i looked at it and it was just a fork it wasn't even a six point i thought it was a six point through the scope it was just a little bitty fork and meat the meat was really good but uh we looked at the deer and i saw where i hit him i saw where austin hit him we grabbed him by the legs and we drug him all the way back 500 yards. It was pretty thick brush. It was probably two or three feet tall of brush. It was kind of a pain in the ass. We didn't have a cart or a buggy or anything. We were just dragging it old-fashioned style. We got him all the way up that cliff. That cliff was probably uh, maybe 20 feet, 30 feet. It was a pretty high, pretty mm -hmm. steep plateau. But once we got him all the way up there, I was so excited. My blood was pumping. I was just like, I almost blacked out. It was, <laughs> I, I was kind of in a daze. I had to sit down for a little bit. And then we went to skinning him. Skinning him. And I remember uh, Brandon had his pocket knife. And we just cut all the way through the rib cage with his pocket knife. It was pretty impressive. And we gutted the whole thing. Took him back to the truck and loaded him up. And yeah, that was my first deer. He tasted really good. He was a small little buck. He's a young buck. Brandon and Austin were picking on me. They were like, he didn't even bust a nut yet. He was just a young buck. You, know, you took that from him. And I was like, ah, whatever. It's a good thing you didn't. It, it's even worse. You blew his nuts takes, off. Exactly. the back strap. Right. Oh, it was brutal. When we were dragging him back, I mean, it was like a four-foot trail with a testicle on the end. Oh like, it was bad. I felt pretty bad about it. But then again, it. it's it's hunting. That's what hunting yeah. is. To the, the I still hit the deer at almost five. I was gonna say yards. flesh, and I was like, wait, am I the only one that does that? <laughs> <laughs> now, how many deer have you killed in total? Only two. Only two. I shot that first deer in 2016, and I shot my second deer in 2017, and I haven't hunted since. Well, I don't feel bad. Man. I just I only killed two deer too. 
Oh, well, I mean, I just kind of got tired of the whole processing thing. It was just, it was kind of a lot that's of That's what gets a lot of people. Exactly. And that's what I like. I don't know why. I enjoy, maybe that's why my career is pursuing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Processing meat. But I just well, you do it fast. Yeah. For I me, it took me like two days, I think. I was thinking maybe two hours. There's like maggots coming out of it. <laughs> well, my dad had an air-conditioned shop, and we had this big tub, and we filled it. My dad has an ice maker, so we just filled the whole thing with ice, and we just let this deer sit on ice for like two days. So it was kind of like a casual thing. Like I could go in there and do it whenever I wanted. With it the hide or without the hide? We skinned it. Okay. <laughs> we skinned it in the field. We cut the head off in the field. It's a day later. Are we supposed to gut it? <laughs> <laughs> no, we gutted it on site. Yeah. Because I didn't want to drag all those guts 500 yards. That's too mm. much weight. But we didn't actually cut open the chest cavity. We just gutted it and then we drug it all the way up there. And then we cut open the chest and got the lungs and the heart and everything out. Oh, so you just took literal guts. Yeah, just the guts. <laughs> I also wanted to make sure we didn't hit the pee bag or have hit the intestine and have yeah. shit everywhere. You know, Especially wanted, since you nutted him. Wanted to be safe. <laughs> so There was no semen taste on the meat, to be <laughs> clear. Okay, that was a little aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> I'm not sure I would know what that tastes like. If there was <laughs> If there was, I wouldn't I would know. I mean, you know. I know I always put the episodes as explicit, but I want to put it ex- as extreme explicit extreme. for that one word. That one word that you used on my podcast. How dare you? That's disgusting. It's a scientific term. I don't yeah. care. At least he didn't say jizz. Oh, um, so, there's a gun that Aurelio wants to get that I heard you have your own opinions on. Can we hear a little bit about your opinions on that guy? Well, hold on. Let's let's hear Aurelio. Uh, first, first, first off, I'm just gonna say, listen. If 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 I was 500 yards out, I'd be shooting with a 338 Lapua. There just you saying, go. That's the I'm one. Just saying, and I wouldn't be hitting balls and ass. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> You'd be hitting hearts and lungs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 I can't really argue that because the only deer I ever watched Aurelio shoot, he hit it directly through the heart. So. Through the heart. <laughs> but three thirty Lapua, I understand some now, people might like it for yeah, yeah. deer hunting, but I just feel like it's overkill. But that's just me personally. The only reason why is because I was shooting, like I said, a two sixty Remington, which is plenty capable for shooting deer even at five hundred yards. My buddy Austin was shooting a two twenty three Remington, which it's not even it's not the five five six. His were two twenty threes, which are a little bit dulled down from a five five six, not quite as powerful. Mm-hmm. And he still nailed it right where he wanted to hit it twice. It wasn't even once. He hit it twice at five hundred yards, the same distance I shot mine. The same deer. <laughs> but but my thinking is is if if I get the three thirty eight Lapua I'm not going to have to ever worry about is my rifle going to be strong enough to take this animal down. You know what I mean? It'd be able to go up all the way to shooting bears, yeah, elk, moose, and, e- and even deer. You know, I, it's it's the it's the end all gun for me at least. Oh, well, thirty yeah. out sixes too. Same well, thirty out six too. But but, but same. I mean, what do you? But for me, it's just style and preference. Like if I if I'm hunting with Stetson, it's all style. If I'm if I'm hunting with Stetson. Then I probably use my I probably use my two two three my AR fifteen, hmm. you know what I mean? Because with Stetson, it's mostly spot and track, and so we're gonna see it, and we're not gonna be. I don't think we're ever gonna shoot like 500, 600 yards out. Yeah, for the most part, not like. Yeah, well, with my brother, if I'm able to go back hunting with him this next season, um, those deer are 700, 600 yards out, and if I have a three thirty eight Lapua, it's it's gonna kill it. Yeah, that's you know no, what I mean? no issue. And uh, that that's the thing too is like if I'm with Stetson, I'm, there's no reason for me to have a three thirty eight Lapua. That'd just be that would be overkill. But like if we were to ever take any trips or go hunt bigger game, then you had to fire across a mountain. Yeah, three thirty eight Lapua is gonna do that. You know, of course it's gonna be a bitch to drag around too. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> even just the uh, ammo alone. I think for me that's just my specialty rifle. For me personally, yeah. like that'll be my totally understand. Like 
that's, goal. That, that's my that's my end goal gun. You know what I mean. But for right now, I think I even said this on my first first episode on the podcast. Like, uh, I think I'm going for a six five Creedmoor first, and then I'll save up for the three thirty Pula down the line. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, but there are some hunters out there that do it. I mean. They'll, yeah. they'll use a 330 Lapua at, at 150 yards. But, I mean, in reality, instead of spending money and we're paying him for land, <laughs> yeah. you have one rifle, and that is, of, of course, your AR, your assault rifle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, nah. for the most part, your home defense. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd use this, the term assault rifle very, very lightly. Because, yeah. I mean, it's. You've never like, assaulted anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah that no. is true. <laughs> It would be an Armalite rifle. Yeah, I'm more of a pepper guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. I like assaulting. <laughs> Lemon pepper. Yeah. But, but I think the point you're making is that it the is, AR-15 it's is the job. It's doing the job. Yeah. I mean, it does the job. That is the rifle that you, yeah. Alan, just said previously that you shot straight through the heart. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Literally no, straight through yeah. the heart. I mean, <laughs> honestly, it's good that you're having this conversation because. Me and me and Raquel have talked about getting guns previously, and uh-huh. we took her out. And she finally got to shot, uh, got to shoot for the first time, and also a pistol. And she's been wanting to get a pistol, and I, she's asked me why I don't want to get a pistol. I told her because I want a gun that I can use for all the hunts. Yeah, it's like multiple yeah. purposes, like my one ring, <laughs> exactly. the one gun to rule them all. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it's good that you're talking about it because then that gets me thinking about other ones because I've been looking at a 6.5 Creedmoor as well, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a 6.5 Creedmoor, I mean, that that's no joke either. Like, that's not a oh, slouch yeah. gun. Like, yeah. That'll get the job done mm-hmm. well, in this, a lot of situations. This one guy I've heard of, he went to New Zealand. I can't remember exactly what type of animal he took down, but he shot it at 900 yards with a 6.5 Creedmoor. Oh, yeah. And he dropped it. It was there's, there's been people definitely the size of an elk. I can't remember exactly what it was. It wasn't a red was. stag. It may have been a red stag. Because that's... Notorious for New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, it probably yeah, was a red stag. And I actually, even they're, though they're not native there, John, know that. Yeah, most, I didn't of, know most that. of them have been brought there for specific hunts. Yeah. High fence <laughs> makes most, sense. Most people that say I want to go to New Zealand and shoot a red stag, it's usually high fence. Yeah, yeah, but well, because it's this it's not just the hunt though. I think I think it's the environment, rich. like just being in New Zealand. Like it's like a different country. It's yeah. not well, of course, it's a different country, but I'm saying like. It's like you're going into a different realm. It's elite. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> those are the kind of hunts we won't talk about exactly. on this podcast because we will not. Yeah, those we can't. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to talk about the hunt. I was just saying that he took an animal at yes. 900 yards with a 6.5 Creedmoor. Which actually, I think the record right now for the 6.5 Creedmoor, Creedmoor, sorry, is a uh, 1.2 miles. It's, it's a, it's a yeah. long shoot I round. Mean, it all comes down to ballistic coefficients. Yeah. Yeah. The 6.5 Creedmoor is, is like the perfect ratio. You always want to look for the perfect ratio in a round. Like say with a, a, a 22 caliber, which is a .224 inch caliber, if you have a 55 grain, it's too short. What really makes a 223 or a 224 caliber projectile shine is when you have like an 80 grain or a 90 or maybe a 95 grain. Because it has that extra length and it's that perfect shape to just glide through the air. Whereas 6.5 Creedmoor, with Brandon's rifle, his bolt rifle, he has one in 260 Remington, which shoots the exact same size slug as a 6.5 Creedmoor. He shoots a 147 grain out of it and it's a really perfectly shaped projectile. It flies through the air super easy. The ballistic coefficients are extremely high on it, which is what you want. So Which 338 your, Lapua is the same So way. let's say that's your sniper rifle, per se? Yeah, I guess, yeah. I don't really know what determines a sniper rifle. One that you can snipe with. Snipe <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but I'm just saying, like, Brandon, as precise you would want the perfect bullet to go through the air because you want to hit your target. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, it's not necessarily you want it to hit your target. The easier it flies through the air, the more energy it carries longer. Yeah. Give a bullet that doesn't like say a forty-five ACP. It's a terribly shaped bullet. It doesn't fly through the air well at all. It's like a baseball. So the farther it gets, the more steam it blows off. If you have a, a round or a projectile that flies through the air easy, it carries that energy for a long ways. That's why, mm-hmm. like you were saying, a six-five Creedmoor, the record's like one point two miles because it just flies through the air so easy. It's it's kind of like a car. 
you have a big SUV, you get bad gas mileage. You have a little bitty car, you get better gas mileage because it, it glides through the air easier. It doesn't have as much wind resistance. Hmm. I guess I never thought of it that way. Define air. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Now, the now, more you know. know. What I wanted to ask you too is is the price of a 6.5 Pigmore. Now, do you, do you think that there would be much of a difference if... We were going to take a, a let's say, a 600-yard shot between a $5,000 6 5 more and a $400 6 5 more. It's the shooter. Do you, yeah. do you, do you well, there that? is, there is, no, because there is a lot of differences as far yeah, as your trigger and your bolt. To say if it's a $5,000 rifle, the reason it's $5,000 is probably because it has a really nice piece of glass on it, a really mm-hmm. nice scope. It probably has a nice bipod, which a lot of nice bipods, they, they let you camp the rifle. So now you're steering away from the gun itself. Okay. Yeah, so what's really important with a nice rifle is you need to have it in a, a decent stock that fits your body. You need to have your length of pull, which length of pull is when you put your arm at a 90 degree angle and you go from the, the crease of your bicep and your elbow all the way to the pad of your finger. That's your length of pull. Everybody's length of pull is different in a way. So you want to have your your stock set up for you. Then you also want to have, like I was saying, a nice bipod that lets you cant it. Because if you're on uneven ground, which if you're hunting, most of the time it's uneven ground. Yes. Or even say you're shooting off of shooting sticks or just off of a post. You need to have a... You don't need to. Your comfortability is offset. Yeah, exactly. It helps to have a, a level in your scope so you can level your rifle perfectly that really does make a difference yeah. it's it all boils down to just like how stable you can have the gun because that's what matters it's your launch pad you want to be able to launch that projectile as smoothly and as precisely as you possibly can and most yeah. of the time five thousand dollar rifles have like hand cut barrels where some guy cut it with a lathe by hand so the chamber is cut to these exact specifications when your bolt locks up, it has zero tolerance. Whereas I've always heard like with Remington, it's kind of back in the day, but Remington, their tolerance used to be plus or minus seven thousandths of an inch, which is not very good. Most custom rifle makers can make you a rifle that has zero thousandths of an inch tolerance. It has no tolerance. It's perfect, basically, because they hand turned it by themselves on a lathe. They made it as perfect as they possibly can which is really important. And then also feeding is a big issue. If you're feeding your cartridge and you slam that bolt in your bullet when it's going up from the magazine into the chamber, if it nicks the end of your bullet or if it seats your bullet farther, if it hits something, your bullet tends to slide into the case a little bit farther, that all affects your accuracy. That's kind of where hand loading comes in as well. If you have a factory cartridge, when you load it into your chamber and you fire it, when that projectile leaves the case, it has a little bit of room before it hits the rifling of your barrel. And that room kind of causes your, your projectile to, to move and shift a little bit before it hits the rifling and fits snugly and starts twisting. Whereas if you hand load it, you can kind of fine tune it. You can make sure that your projectile is as close to the rifling as possible. So when you pull the trigger, and that projectile starts to move down the barrel, it's almost already touching the rifling. It just goes right down the rifling. It doesn't have any, like, interference. It flies down the rifling smooth. And then another thing people, a lot of people don't think of is, like, a over-travel on your trigger. So if you pull your trigger, once you pull that, after the gun goes off, a lot of triggers have a little bit of slack. So the gun goes off and the bullet is moving down the barrel and then your finger is pulling the trigger farther till it bottoms out. When that trigger bottoms out, that tends to make the rifle move just really slightly. But if you're shooting at long, long distances, you want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you want it to just fire and then the trigger stops. So you pull the trigger and nothing else happens. And then it fires and then you feel the recoil. So it's more, it's, 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 it's all just super precise. The more precise you can get, the better. Yeah. Whereas like there's those bench rest competitions where they literally have rifles that have like two inch bull barrels. They're just these massive barrels. The rifle is completely fitted into a vise. When they shoot, they have a reloading press right next to them so they can shoot a shot or two 
and then they can reload a cartridge to fix the imperfections right there on the spot and then load it and shoot again and it's perfect like it's it's all about as precise as you can get well we're not going to be doing all that out there exactly <laughs> but so you want to do it you like ask the question yeah. but the main, but the main reason the main reason I bring it up is because I mean it's Panhandle poor lanes like I don't know about Chase but I'm buying a 3 400 dollar Savage 6.5 Creedmoor from and it can work. Savage is nice. Savage is a nice, you know I mean? is a nice yeah. rifle. Yeah. Just buy a six hundred dollars scope. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm buying a six hundred dollars scope. But it's not necessarily the more money you spend, the better. The more understanding you like, have, mm-hmm. you can smartly spend your we've, money. Yeah. Me and Brandon last season, we've talked about my two forty three Savage and mm-hmm. taking it out and shooting it, and he really enjoyed it. And it's a pretty cheap gun like all together I think it was like 400 bucks mm-hmm. everything yeah. put together but after Alan shot it what are your thoughts on it I mean it was a nice shooting rifle I didn't expect it to have a wooden stock you said it was a Savage Axis I thought it was just going to have a polymer stock like every other Savage Axis out there mm-hmm. <laughs> but I really do like the wooden stocks because usually with a wooden stock your your action is bedded better in your stock which is also really important you want your action to be mounted solidly to your stock whereas a lot of plastic or polymer stocks they have a lot of flex so it kind of mounts solid but it's not really solid it's just kind of iffy with a wooden stock you're usually a lot better off i noticed that the barrel was completely free floated which is really important a lot of people like to rest their barrel against things or grab their barrel when they shoot which you don't want to do because every time you fire a cartridge your rifling is spinning down the bore so when that barrel moves through that, or that projectile moves through that barrel, it tries to straighten the rifling out, and it's called barrel whip. Every single barrel, it kind of whips just a little bit. It twists slightly every time you fire a projectile. You don't want to interrupt that because you want to be as consistent as possible, so you don't want to change that consistency. The free-floating barrel is a really nice touch on most rifles. Most of them have it now. A lot of companies have figured that out, but back in the day it was pretty bad. And after I shot yours, I mean, I didn't think I hit. I was shooting out of beer can at 100 yards. It was 116 yards. Mm-hmm. And I nailed it. I didn't think I hit it, but we went up and looked, and I hit it a little bit high, but I was shaky. I haven't shot a rifle in a long time, honestly. And I was kind of leaned up against I wasn't laying down. I was standing up. But a beer can is the size of a deer heart. Exactly. I hit (laughs) really close to where I wanted to hit. So it was definitely good enough. You had really nice ammo too. Six hour ammo. So all I was getting at is you can get a good weapon for cheap. A bane for your butt. Yeah. It's just finding the one that fits well for you. And so now, honestly, with the 243 Savage and then my 20 gauge is... It's technically a Stevens, but it's a it's a, a Savage brand. That's They're nice. basically the same. Owned by Savage. Yeah. I really, I mean, if it's a, I mean, I didn't know that they had the six five Creed more Savage over at Academy, because then that's probably we're gonna end up getting the same gun there, Buckle. Yeah, it's a Savage Axis six five Creed more twinsies. They have a they have it's polymer frame, um, but there's there's two different types. <laughs> And I forgot, like, I want to say it's the scope that's different on them. I want to say one comes with a scope, one doesn't come with a scope, and one's a little bit more expensive. One's over 400 and then one's just under 400 And I think the one with the scope, which I think it's like a, a Nikon scope, which probably isn't the best scope. No. Nope. That's the one that but, I have on uh, my Savage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just depends. Yeah. So, but I've, I've seen a lot of reviews on it, and I'd probably just trade that Nikon scope out and put it on something else. If I ever get anything else, I'll just then don't have, buy it. Have, 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 scope. It, have it there. Something. Else. Them buy the one without the scope. Well, I want the scope anyways. Oh my god! I get a bang for my buck. I want to get a bang for my buck. Just yeah. use it for something else, you know, like a varmint rifle or something like that. Exactly, because um, I've bought some. There, they supposedly have all the features a good scope should have, which that's a like a whole big jump when you come to scopes, because most hunting scopes are MOA, minute of angle. Which a minute of angle, usually when you dial it, it's one quarter inch at 100 yards. But a lot of like military, not a lot of, most of the military uses mills or milliradians, which is, it's usually 10 clicks per mill, 
which one mil translates to 3.6 inches at 100 yards. So every click is 0.36 inches, which is not quite as fine as a MOA scope, which is 0.25 inches, quarter inch. But that's with scopes, if you buy a hunting scope, you can buy a really nice MOA hunting scope for like seven, $800. It's a really nice scope. If you want to get a really nice mill scope, you're going to pay about $1,000 or more. It's extremely expensive for a nice mill scope. And I bought some cheap ones, like Vortex. They put out a really cheap one. It's the Vortex Diamondback. And Is that what you have on your 22? No, that, that's the one I have on my 223 Ruger American okay. bolt action. And then on my 22, I bought a Bushnell Nitro. It's like this really cheap one. And I actually got it on sale. And it's a complete piece of garbage. I used it on my <laughs> AR. <laughs> I mean, sure, it has all the features. It's a mill scope. It's first focal plane. It's a 6 to 24 power. It has good turrets. The clicks are nice, and you can hear them. And everything's good about it. The reticle's really nice, but I put it on my AR, trying to shoot some groups with my AR, and just the recoil out of my AR jumbled all the internals on the scope. It couldn't hold up to it. And, I, I mean, you shot my AR... It doesn't have recoil. It re it has that giant muzzle brake on it. Like it yeah. doesn't have recoil at all, but it still was enough to jumble it. I put that scope on my twenty two. It works completely fine. It holds zero. I can click it and everything. It'll it'll adjust perfectly. It's really nice on my twenty two, but it's not good enough. So a lot of these companies are trying to make military style scopes that are affordable but they're really not worth it you kind of have to pay the money if you want a nice scope because hmm. like the scope i shot on brandon's rifle that i shot my first deer with i think it was like a 1300 hundred dollar scope it's an extremely expensive scope but it, it worked well i mean sure i only i didn't hit it exactly where i wanted to but that's like a four foot difference i was aiming for the heart and i hit it in the ass like it's not that much of a difference as far as 500 yards go. Yeah, be sure you put 500 yards because four foot, it's a long way. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a big difference to At me. 500 yards, it's not much. <laughs> yeah. At, a, at 100 yards, it's like an inch. It's really not much. But at 500, that gets magnified out to four foot. But yeah, it was... It's just, scopes are just kind of a... They get expensive really quick if you yeah. want the nice stuff. Which, like you were saying, Nikon's not bad. With my first rifle I bought, I wanted to hunt anything in North America. So I bought a .30-06. I did a lot of research on it. You can shoot deer, you can shoot elk, you can shoot black bear, you can shoot grizzly bear. Hell, even people have shot Kodiak bear with it. Like, it's, it's enough to shoot anything. But I wasn't really pleased with the rifle. I mean, it's, it's okay. It's a Remington 783. It's kind of a newer design, but... It's, it's a nice rifle, I just didn't really like the cartridge, because from a reloading standpoint, 30-06 is just not that reloader friendly, whereas 6.5 Creedmoor is very vastly improved from even a 30-06. Sure, it's a way smaller cartridge, but it does everything a 30-06 does, and even more. It's just a better cartridge. It's, I mean, they put the research in, it came out in 2008, I believe, it's just a better cartridge it does everything better because that was one thing i was really disappointed with is i bought a 30-06 i did all this hand loading i did all this research i was shooting 168 grain projectile at 2850 feet per second which is what a 308 does like i wasn't improving on a 308 at all in any way and even though the case is way longer than a 308 it did nothing more than a 308 did and I have this super long bolt throw. It's kind of goofy. I didn't really like it. It just wasn't enough. Like, it didn't impress me in any way. It worked, but it didn't impress me, really. I guess it all just comes down to preference, too. Oh, yeah. Like, exactly. Well, you feel preference. more comfortable shooting with... Um, Whereas 6.5 Creedmoor has significantly less recoil than a 30-06, which yeah. is nice. Because that was another thing I was going to touch on about the 338 Lapua is it's a really nice cartridge, it's a great mm -hmm. rifle, but it does have a lot of recoil, which I used to think that wasn't a big deal till I started shooting a lot more and I realized that recoil plays a big, big impact on how well you shoot. Mm -hmm. The less recoil you can have, the better you're going to shoot. The well, more recoil you have, the That's the, the situation that I'm into right now with 
Abigail trying to find her rifle, and the biggest thing is she's more comfortable if it doesn't throw her back so much. Well, I guess it all just depends, too. Like, I mean, for me, if I get the 338 Pua, I'm going to invest some money into that gun. Yeah, Like, I'm not sure. going to keep it, you know, just stock. Like, I want to get a Vortex go for it. I want to get a bigger muzzle brake for it. Like, there's things that I want to do to that rifle. And I think a bigger muzzle brake would actually improve the recoil a lot. A lot. So, I mean, that, that could be a thing, too, is buy the rifle you want for Abigail, but there's, like, Dameron's, or not Dameron's Pawn Shop, what is it called? Irwin's Pawn Shop down on, I think it's 9th Street or something like that. If you go there, they have muzzle brakes there. Mm -hmm. and you just put that on whatever rifle she wants, find one that fits her, and then it'll significantly reduce Yeah, I'm not going to have a muzzle brake on any <laughs> rifle for the fact that I'm on one side of her, mm -hmm. and then our daughter's on the other side of her, and yeah. so I don't want either one of us or ear just being blown out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll have earmuffs, but it's still a huge difference. Yeah. And so, because just the muzzle brake's not... Huh? Well, yeah, you yeah. shot my yeah, that 30 really loud. That .30-06 that I was talking about previously, it, I, I had Austin, my buddy who shot the first deer I shot, he has a lathe and he threaded my barrel and put a muzzle brake on my .30-06, which I really like, but I'm always the one shooting. I'm really the one kind of like... Guiding. Guiding, or just yeah. sitting aside, watching shoot. And, and so I, just, I let Stetson shoot that rifle to see if, if maybe Abigail would be comfortable with it. And, yeah, it wasn't very good. Yeah, that just comes down to having <laughs> too a preference, too. Like, how you guys handle certain situations and, like, what kind of rifle she's more comfortable with. Yeah. Um, you guys just have to find one that fits, which, which is kind of hard, too, because you can't just shoot the gun in the store, you know. Mm -hmm. So you guys got to... That depends. To... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, but, like, even my muzzle break on my AR-15, like, you like you were standing right next to me when I first shot it, and... You don't want to stand next to me when I'm shooting. That. ARs are just loud because yeah. semi-automatics are inherently louder because you have this the, your bolt opens up and when that because you when you fire every time your bolt cycles and loads any round. So if you fire that bolt opens up and a lot of that noise comes back through the barrel out the bolt. Whereas with the bolt action, the bolt's locked shut. So you fire it and all the noise goes straight downrange. Yeah. But when you add a muzzle brake into the mix, the noise goes sideways. Like you're standing here the noise goes sideways like that. So yeah. people are right next to you, it's going to hit their eardrums really loud. So if anybody had any questions that they were wanting to, I, I don't know, I guess somebody driving down the road listening to this podcast and they're like, oh, I would really like to pick his brain or, you know, get any information off of him. Where would you have them go? Like, do you have like a business set up or anything like that? The only social media I really <coughs> monitor is Instagram. Okay. And my handle on Instagram is Chris Farley on a Harley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I asked. Yeah. Oh my god. That is awesome. So I don't take it very seriously, but that's that's my handle on Instagram. That's a good way to remember it. But yeah. are you wanting to you're kind of wanting to get into, you know, more of the gun gun training and yeah. all that stuff someday. But, yeah. Well, it might be a good way to start. You yeah, know, you never it, know. It takes but. a lot because I've always wanted to be like a firearms instructor, but no. it's kind of a, a, a whole thing you have to get into. Yeah, but either way, you can go find him at Chris Farley on a Harley. <laughs> what, what would your business be called? I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't put much thought into it's it. It's Al's grip on the gun. <laughs> <laughs> right? But you can find him over there. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify. Um, yeah, go and make sure that you like us over on Facebook and get interacted with some of the stuff that we're talking about over there. And yeah, make sure you heart, follow, like, all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, until next time, we'll see you in a couple weeks.